It's a Monday morning broadcast here at JM and the AM. Well, TABC, which, as you know, is a school that's very dear to my heart. A bunch of uh, Seagull boys are alums of TABC. And some of the current representatives of the Seagull family are having an amazing time there. And TABC is honoring our heroes at their virtual 38th annual dinner. It happens on January the 10th, which is this coming Sunday night, beginning at 8 p.m. Defending America, defending Israel. There'll be an exclusive conversation with Ambassador Nikki Haley. They'll also honor and pay tribute to the distinguished TABC alumni who have served in the IDF. And I'm sure that'll include um, those who are serving right now. It's amazing how many TABC alums are in or have served already in the IDF. It all starts this coming Sunday night, beginning at 8 p.m. Everybody is encouraged to attend. And it's pretty easy to attend, frankly. You can literally do so from the comfort of your own home. Um, Go to uh, TABC.org. Again, that's TABC.org slash virtual dinner. TABC.org slash virtual dinner. It begins at 8 p.m. this coming Sunday night. In addition to Nikki Haley, there is another amazing guest speaker. And um, he'll speak on the topic of heroes do exist. Words of inspiration from Hillel Fold. Hillel Fold is dubbed Israel's top marketer. He works with leading tech entrepreneurs, investors, and visionaries to accompany them on their journey from idea to revenue. And based on my research, he has done this many, many, many times. Hillel Fold, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. An honor to be here, and I, like I said, a little bit starstruck. I've been listening to you for decades. <laughs> much appreciated. I thank you very, very much. Um, heroes do exist. Is this going to be a uh, a general discussion of heroism, or are you going to cite specific heroes that those who are watching Sunday night need to be aware of? Well, first of all, it's important that I mention that the fact that I'm on a flyer next to Ambassador Haley's face is just you know, something that I never thought could happen. <laughs> Speaking of heroes, that's, that's where it starts. Um, but I think in terms of what I'll be speaking about, um, per, both personal heroes and national heroes. So, uh, you know, I am speaking about my late brother, Ari Fold, um, who, who lived the life of a hero and, and died as a hero. For those unfamiliar, he, uh, in his last breath, chased down the terrorist and uh, took him down so that he could not go and kill anyone else. So he was really a hero in the traditional sense of the word. And um, a sharp transition, I'm, you know, speaking about the state of Israel and how, you know, this country has accomplished things that are just spectacular, given that it's smaller than the size, than the size of New Jersey and the worst neighborhood on earth. And you look at every sector and every vertical of technology, and Israel's just leading the way. And obviously, you just spoke about the vaccine. It's just remarkable to see how, you know, once again, we're leading the way. And so I'm speaking about Israel as a, as a hero in the world, and uh, about Ari as a hero, uh, you know, on a personal level. Understood. Um, h- how does someone like yourself get into this position? Obviously, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of work and know-how is needed. I get that. Uh, but in order to, and, and coming from another country, I mean, you're originally from the United States, and now you are, uh, you know, making, and, and now you're making every effort, you know, at, at, uh, at the point where you're living in Israel. <clears throat> to integrate as much as possible into Israeli society, into the business community of Israel. How does one go from being an American kid to be Israel's top marketer? 
Well, first of all, I've been in Israel 26 years. I came here as a kid. Um, but I don't know about Israel's top marketer, but I'll tell you that over the years, I had the fortune of meeting some incredible entrepreneurs in Israel. And really, my whole kind of business philosophy was I was just trying to help people. And uh, you, you're probably familiar with the concept of being a friar in Hebrew, right? Mm-hmm. In Israel, the worst thing you could be is a friar. And so people said to me all the years, why are you you know, not charging money? Take money from this guy. Take money from that. I was really, I had a job. This was just for fun. What ended up happening is that a lot of these companies came back to me sometimes a decade later and said, listen, you helped us early on. Now we're worth billions of dollars. We'd love to work with you. So I'm really fortunate to work with unbelievable companies, both startups and, you know, global enterprises. Um, And I'm just, you know, like a kid in a candy store every day, really just loving it. We would be shocked to know about whose major footprint in Israel, you deal with all the big companies right here. It says Google, Oracle, Microsoft, Nike, etc. Tell us Americans something that would surprise us in terms of a country that has a much more of a presence in Israel than we would ever suspect. Yeah, a company. So uh, listen, you know, I don't know if you're an iPhone or an Android user, but either one was developed. Major parts of the operating system was developed here in Israel, and really the truth is, if you look at any. Uh, international and global tech company, whether it's Facebook or Google or Microsoft or Apple or any of them, not only are they here on the ground, but they're building core elements of their experience here in Israel. Uh, again, Apple, you know, when you unlock your, your iPhone with Face ID, that's an Israeli company called Prime Sense that Apple acquired. Microsoft started Microsoft Ventures here. Facebook is building products for you know the emerging markets for, for Africa and other places that have slower internet. They have Facebook Lite and Instagram Lite. Really, every multinational is building uh, you know, big parts of its of its experience here in this tiny little country, uh, which is just fascinating. And then you look at also, you look at the, the amount of capital flowing into Israel from all directions. Uh, it's remarkable to see that the top tier you know, venture capitalists in the world are all set up here. In fact, I had the opportunity to interview Mark Andreessen, who's widely regarded as the top venture capitalist in the world. He invested in Facebook and Slack and Twitter and many others. And I asked him a question, why are you not in Israel? All of your colleagues, all the top venture capitalists are in Israel. You're not. He said to me, we have a one-office rule, but when we break that rule and we open our second office, it will be in Tel Aviv, <laughs> which is so remarkable. It's, it's really just remarkable. Um, and, and you look at the numbers, you know, month over month. I think Israel, Israeli companies last month in 30 days raised $1.18 billion, which is it's just outrageous. Really, uh, it's very exciting, and, and you look at the numbers. We're not, you know, Israel shows no signs of slowing down. We're just getting started. Hello, Fold is with us. Um, I, I apologize for harping on this, but but I've got a curiosity, and it, and it needs to be addressed. When when you when you mention the companies that rely on Israeli companies or Israeli efforts, like you mentioned, uh, the face recognition which came from Israel, etc. Are these companies like Twitter, Facebook, Google, etc., are they in Israel early? Like, is this, it, it, when, they, when, they, when they establish their companies, are they already looking toward a place like Israel for innovation to advance, or is it something that happens way down the road? Usually they open kind of their first headquarters in Silicon Valley. That's kind of where it all happens. Um, but quickly they realize that the talent, the research and development talent, the top engineers, are in Israel. And so, you know, it, it doesn't take very long for them to open offices here. If you look at Facebook, they have two massive offices in Tel Aviv. You know, like I think, I don't even remember how many floors. Google has eight floors full of engineers, you know, in ways obviously in Israel. And so, you know, these companies, it doesn't take very long for them to realize they need they need presence in Israel. Um, and and the, what's, what's really unbelievable, like I said before, is the venture capitalists, because why are right. they not in, 
you know, London or L.A. or New York. Why Israel? Right. But they're all here. It's, it's crazy. And, and a place like Google would employ how many people in Israel? Are we talking about thousands of people or, you know, a, a token office? Like how many people would actually find employment in a place like that? I mean, I'm guessing anywhere between 700 and 1,000, I think. I don't know the official numbers. That's just, you know, just me guessing. But there are a lot of people there that work at Google. Um, Facebook's the same story. And all of them, really. Apple, you know, you go to Apple headquarters in Herzliya, and, you know, it's a massive building. And, you know, it's super secretive. You don't know what they're building because they really are building the next iPhone. Even employees of Apple can't see the next guy's, you know, office. Everything's super secretive. Unbelievable. So, I mean, and ex- ex- excuse my line of questioning, but I'm such a linear guy, it, it takes me time to catch on. So could Waze have been developed somewhere else? If, if some other country or some other think tank, you know, thought of this amazing idea to make traveling on streets and roads so easy for the average person, never to have to ask for directions again, you're right, a, a male's dream. Uh, I mean, could this have been done somewhere else, or is it something that you think you know has such an Israeli flavor to it, tech-wise, that it had to be developed there? So I'll answer the question two ways. First, first hypothetically, I mean, it's, if you think about what Waze did, they, they crowdsourced the entire world. Right? That's, I mean, that's a crazy vision that someone had to have. Right. And I would go as far as call it chutzpah, the thing that you have the ability to, to map out the world using just crowdsourcing. So I do think it's a very Israeli, like Israeli culture to kind of accomplish the impossible. That's number one. Number two, I actually heard the CEO of Waze, Noam Bardin, speak um, about this, and he said, had they not developed it in Israel, it would never have succeeded. And had they not opened up sales and marketing in the U.S., they also would not have succeeded. So, you know, that's an interesting kind of combination that you see. A lot of Israeli companies have the research and development here in Israel and the sales and marketing over there because, you know, these companies are targeting larger markets than Israel, obviously. They're building the technology here, but they're selling it to the United States and Europe and other places. Are there, I mean, there must be, com- and, and forget the money aspect for a second, there must be companies that you saw early on, and successful ones that ended up being, you know, giants in this world, where you said to yourself, you know, this one's going to make it, and, and others where you said to yourself, you know, uh, th- this one's, no, there's no chance. I, I remember, I think it's one of the founders of Twitter once said um, that when they were presented with this idea of Airbnb, they said no one's ever going to lend out their house you know, to, to, to perfect strangers. And, of course, you know, that was a miscalculation. Can you think of an example where you really hit a home run? Again, forget the money aspect, just by, by thinking or conjecturing that a company had tremendous, uh, a tremendous avenue for success and another case where you said there's no way this is going to happen, and sure enough, you know, they went to be a billion-dollar corporation. So first of all, I'll start with the second one. Uh, I got a phone call one day from the founder of a company called Onavo um, and said to me, listen, I'm building this company. Here's what we're doing. I'd love you to join. And I said, that doesn't sound like a very good idea at all. It doesn't sound feasible. It doesn't sound sustainable. Uh, Thank you, but no thank you. And they ended up selling to Facebook for hundreds of millions of dollars. (laughs) Uh, By the way, Waze also offered me a job, and I also turned them down, but that was because was in Lanan and I was in Beit Shemesh, and I wasn't going to travel. But <laughs> I've I made my fair, my fair share of, of bad calls. Good calls, I mean, listen, I, I saw so many companies early on, whether it's Wix, it's now worth, worth $13 billion last oh, wow. I checked. Um, you know, obviously, the, the, the list just goes on. AppsFlyer is a company that's worth billions now, and I, I, you know, I knew the CEO before the company was even formed, and I was uh, you know, a mentor in the Microsoft Accelerator, and he was sitting there in the corner, very, very humble guy, and now he's built a massive, successful company. Um, and there, there are many, many examples of companies that just 
are now skyrocketing, you know, in, in valuations. Orcan, you know, they make glasses for people who are, you know, who can't see. Right. Um, so, so many companies. And by the way, now I write this Jerusalem Post column, and I'm and I'm seeing early stage companies that are very, very impactful. Many of these companies are going to grow to be multi billion dollar companies. They're very early stage now. Unbelievable. Hillel Fold is with us. Website is hillelfold.com on Twitter at hillsfold, H-I-L-Z-F-U-L-D. Guest speaker along with Nikki Haley at the TABC dinner this coming Sunday night on the topic of heroes do exist. We're encouraging everybody, whether you're a TABC parent, family member, or not, uh, log on, uh, pay the fee, log on, and uh, hear a couple of amazing speakers, Nikki Haley and Hillel Fold, this coming Sunday night beginning at 8 p.m. You can go to tabc.org slash virtual dinner, tabc.org slash virtual dinner. Everybody out there knows what I think of TABC and how great a school it is. And, again, within the TABC family, everyone is hopefully expected to be uh, on the um, a virtual dinner this coming Sunday night. But those of you who are not necessarily a part of the TABC family, take advantage of the fact that they are presenting both Nikki Haley and Hillel Fold this coming Sunday night, tabc.org slash virtual dinner. And I'll get a comment or two from you, Hillel, in a minute about TABC. But i got to ask you, you know, I read over the weekend the Times article about the, you know, everyone here is going crazy about the vaccine distribution in Israel, rightfully so. Uh, But it seemed to me, once I read the Times article, that basically everything that could have gone right for Israel did, uh, meaning how early they went, how much money they spent on it, um, uh, the distribution system, which of course is in place for decades in terms of kupot cholim, etc. And then the the fourth factor that I didn't even consider until I read it was that the companies were anxious to sell to Israel because knowing how good their distribution system is, they felt they'll have data quicker about how it's going and and the effects and after effects, if there are any, of the vaccine before. Um, you know, before then, if they would have, you know, worked more aggressively with other countries, they felt that Israel will have a lot more data for them uh, sooner. Let's put it that way. Um, does that, you know, basically sum it up? Is there anything about this vaccine rollout that you know is a bit different to you, or that uh, you know, a, a, an explanation or a a point that you would also add to that list? Yeah, hundred percent. I think all of those points are very true, and you know, distribution is in place, and infrastructure is here. All that's true, but I think that there's one point that might be missing, and that is, you know, how much we value life, right? How much Israel and Jews value life, and how it's such a fundamental principle in our in our belief system and our in our religion. Um, not to say that other countries don't value life, but you know, it, with, in Israel, it's you know the top value, and so. Even if we had to spend more money, and even if you know there were challenges, there was no way uh, the leadership was going to you know miss that chance. And you know, I do think, you know, without getting too political, I think BB uh, did amazing work bringing it to Israel. And um, you know, again, whether or not you support him, I think he deserves credit for that. Yeah, look, I mean, those who normally criticize him are going out of the way to you know to praise him for many, not all, but many who normally criticize him are going out of the way to praise him. And frankly, if you look at uh, distribution, uh, 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 the, the, the distribution of the vaccine in different states here in the United States, again, not to get political, but it is interesting to watch those who, who do have life, so to speak, uh, at the top of their political agenda. It's interesting to see how they're approaching the whole thing compared to other leaders. Just something to consider, food for thought, now that you, uh, uh, now that you brought it up. Um, 
So um, uh, tell me about the TABC. You've been in Israel for 26 years. Are you aware of the fact that we have an amazing all-boys uh, high school in Bergen County, New Jersey, that is uh, creating Jewish leaders? In fact, leadership uh, that, that often leads to their alumni becoming members of the Israel Defense Forces. Absolutely. Obviously, I'm very familiar with TABC, and, and you know, the fact that they're honoring their alumni that served in the IDF is obviously very close to my heart as someone who came to Israel and served in the IDF. Um, but more than that, I, I, like I you know, what I'm going to speak about is that Ari came before us to Israel, volunteered in the Army, and climbed up the ranks. And um, in fact, at his funeral, his, his sergeant told the story that he, he approached Ari after he had already been dismissed from reserves, and Ari whipped up the papers to continue to volunteer. He told Ari, listen, maybe you should uh, give this, this machine gun that you're carrying around, which is very, very heavy, to someone a little bit younger than you. And Ari wouldn't hear of it. He was, you know, he really, he really dedicated a lot of his life to defending the state of Israel, both, by the way, in the IDF and obviously online. Um, and so, you know, the, the alumni that are, that are volunteering the IDF is, is very, very close to my heart. I'm really friends. Yeah, I can imagine. And your brother was uh, an unbelievable hero and demonstrated it. And some people, uh, once they're gone, uh, they are showered uh, with with praise and attention. Uh, for whatever reason, it happens like that from above. And there's no question that uh, in the aftermath of his passing, the entire world, as you know, the entire Jewish world not only felt the collective pain, not only felt the uh, a tremendous agony, uh, that the entire Jewish world obviously doesn't compare to the agony that your family and parents had, that I get. But you know what I mean in terms of the collective Jewish pain felt around the world and the collective Jewish pride. You know, we always say one of the hallmarks of this show is the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel. And even if we're here, I believe it's such an important thing to keep in mind. And I think that Ari, you know, with all the themes and all the uh, different um, messages that he transmitted to the world over the uh, years that he was in Israel, and speaking to us via video, etc. I think that was uh, one of his underlying messages, that everybody out there keep in mind that the future of the Jewish people is here and nowhere else. 100%. And Ari, you know, he, I think he got his leadership qualities from a parent, yep. uh, both leaders in their world. And, and my father often says something that's, that's unbelievable. He says, um, obviously, every life that's lost is, is an entire world, and that's not to be belittled, but if you look at in the grand scheme of things and, you know, and, and take a step back, you'll realize that there has never been a 70-year period in the history of the Jewish people since Chorban Abayi, since the destruction of the Temple, that so few Jews have been killed. There was always something, pogroms and inquisitions and, and the Holocaust, whatever it may be. There was this, right now, again, every life that's lost is horrible, and that's, that's irrelevant. That's yeah. nothing to talk about. But you know, in the grand scheme of things, Israel is really protecting us as a nation. Yeah, no question about it. And And... I always, when I see IDF soldiers in Israel, I always say, because you're here, I can live in Manhattan. They look at me like I'm crazy, but you, you hey, you're from America. You know exactly what I mean. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they are there at the ready to defend the world. It, it must be, and I mean, look, many people have gone through this. Unfortunately, there are a lot of terrible episodes that happen in this world, but it, it must be something to wake up in the morning on what you think will be a regular day, and by the end of the day, bury your brother i mean can you even put into words what a day like that is yeah i mean uh, you know i i, I don't want to get too heavy here but uh you know the word trauma is something that i obviously had heard of but i'd never experienced and it was a sunday morning i was at a, a company's office and i you know i was surfing the web and i opened up ynet the you know leading news 
website here in Israel, and there was a report of a, of a terrorist attack with a, big, with a big play button because surveillance cameras had picked up the attack. And so what do you do when you see, you see a play button? You hit play. And so I hit play, and I watched this video of this, this little kid stabbing this big guy, and the big guy then running after him, and I said to myself, who is this Superman? It's unbelievable. And then I, I, I asked in the full WhatsApp group, is everyone okay? And I got a phone call, unfortunately, from Donnie, my older brother, saying it was him. I rushed to the hospital, but, you know, the, the Palestinian kid had unfortunately gotten in the main artery, so there was really no chance. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that, that scene of standing in Shari Tzedek with the whole family and, you know, his wife and kids and something I'll never, ever forget. In fact, that phone call from Donnie saying it was him is something I'll never forget. It was really, you know, like we used to burn CDs. This is very much burned on my brain. Um, and it's, it's difficult. You know, a lot of times people speak of uh, terrorist terror victims, they don't really speak often about the family. And, um, you know, it was a very, very strong family. Thank God. Our parents are unbelievable, but uh, it's, it's never, it's not the same and it'll never be the same. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. What a challenge for a family it is. And as, um, and as you recall, I could tell you what it was like from the perspective of someone like myself watching it. What was it like watching the world reaction? That Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, that Sukkot with your brother's logo, you know, on so many Sukkot around the world, and just in general, watching the outpouring of love, the people online just to, you know, offer you a word of comfort. What was that like from your perspective? Uh, well, the good, I mean, good news and bad news. I, I'd say the bad news is that people I've learned don't really know how to, you know, what to say. Right. You know, what do you say? Right. You know, people. When someone calls and says, "How are you?" It's such a you know standard question, but it's a horrible question when I'm going through this. How am I? I'm, you know, I'm horrible. Yeah. Um, so people really didn't know what to say on the one hand. On the other hand, uh, colleagues and friends uh, reached out to me. I can just tell you one story. It's just it's something that I, I really think, I don't know, saved my life in a way because I got a phone call from a very successful entrepreneur who I'd helped over the years and said to me, please come meet me in Tel Aviv. This was a couple of weeks after. I said, listen, I'm not, I'm not taking business meetings right now. Let's wait a couple of weeks. He said, no, please come to Tel Aviv right now. And this is a guy that's not very pushy. So I said, okay. I come to Tel Aviv. We sit down in an aroma and he says to me, one sentence that I'll never, ever forget. He said to me, hello, me and the hundreds of other people that you've helped over the years, we're not going to let you fall. That's it. That's all he said to me. And that really <laughs> took a huge weight off of my shoulders because I'm thinking here, how am I going to get back to myself and support my family? And that's just one example of so many unbelievable stories. But um, listen, I mean, like you said, he, he received you know the national uh, award from the state of Israel as, as a national hero. Uh, it was a very surreal experience. It still is a very surreal experience. Eight times my younger brother posted today a picture of Ari on, on Facebook and said, you know, just for no reason, I'm, you know, he, he said, I'm missing him. Yeah. Um, it's a very surreal experience. It's kind of two levels of consciousness. On the one hand, you know it happened. On the other hand, you, you can't believe it. Unbelievable. Hillel Fold, guest speaker, along with the amazing Nikki Haley, Ambassador Nikki Haley, this coming Sunday night. We are encouraging all of our listeners not just to support TABC, believe you me, that's important to me, um, but to be part of this incredible virtual dinner, uh, which will be unforgettable. Um, TABC.org slash virtual dinner this coming Sunday night beginning at 8 p.m. Again, TABC.org slash virtual dinner. If you are a TABC family, obviously you'll be part of it, and um, you'll be enjoying the presentation. But if you're not affiliated with TABC, uh, um, either sponsor, donate, or give the general admission uh, price and be part of the amazing presentation this coming Sunday night, tabc.org 
slash virtual dinner. Hillel Fold is at HillelFold.com and on Twitter at HillsFold, H-I-L-Z-F-U-L-D. What's today like? Is today a normal Monday? Is uh, today one of those uh, meet with the people from Google? Anything special happening? No, we're locked down here. I mean, I have, I have permission, thank God, to, to travel a little as a, a quote-unquote essential worker, but um, you know, the people I'm supposed to meet today are in quarantine. So it's, you know, it's not, we're not, it's not normal by any standards, uh, but we're getting there because, you know, I got the vaccine. Most of the people that I know have gotten the vaccine, you know, we're moving towards light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully. The, is, is there a, is there an official word on, on the start of reopening? Does it happen once everyone has the first dose, they slowly reopen or does everyone have to wait till the second dose? Have they even given you a timetable? They talked about two weeks. Some talk about a month. Nobody knows for sure. But um, you know, like you said in the beginning, the the, the, the pace of how fast we're you right. know distributing the vaccine—it's just unbelievable, truly unbelievable to watch. I would imagine you've traveled to the UAE at some point. Not yet. That's a that's a sore you know it's a sore point. I just rub it in. <laughs> uh, well, no, well, no, I'm not just mentioning it because we were there. I'm mentioning it because when we were there, it was amazing and remarkable to see how many Israelis were doing business and were part of a conference where, you know, there was a lot of UAE money directed toward Israel. Yeah, it's, it's historic for sure. You know, this is an unbelievable thing. And I definitely have plans to go there just right now, logistically, with, you know, yeah. family and lockdown and everything. It's just not the right time. But, um, you know, I'm already. Uh, Speaking to a couple of different people about arranging an event over there, and I'll be there probably. I would say in the next twelve months, I'll definitely be there. Also, if if tech if tech uh, fashion is defined normally by the gray T-shirt, um, why is it that you always take the opportunity to dress so well uh, to your tech business meetings? <laughs> <laughs> I dress so well. I don't know. It's my T-shirt and a blazer is kind of my thing. But I know, but that's uh, way that's that's way above the founder of Facebook. I mean, that's you know that's. Compared to the founder of Facebook, you're wearing a tux. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could, you know you could take someone out of America, but you can't take America out of someone. I mean, I'm still wearing suits and ties and shouts. I think I'm nuts. Trust me, we noticed. Otherwise, I wouldn't have asked. Hillel, a real <laughs> delight to speak with you, and uh, and good luck on Sunday night. And thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. It only took us 30 years. <laughs> only 30 years. You're right. Thank God. <laughs> At least we got it done within 30. Hillel Fold. Go to the website, hillelfold.com. Follow him on Twitter, H-I-L-Z-F-U-L-D. It's at Hills Fold. And this coming Sunday night, his topic is Heroes Do Exist. Words of inspiration from Hillel Fold. Join our friends from TABC on what's going to be an unbelievable 38th annual dinner, even if it's virtual. Because both Hillel Fold, Nikki Haley, and the distinguished TABC alumni uh, will have the focus on them, the alumni that have served in the IDF. Go to TABC.org slash virtual dinner, TABC.org slash virtual dinner. More coming up. It is a, a what is today, Monday morning edition of JM in the AM.